Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we have a fantastic weekend of Knicks basketball to recap for you guys today. First, a 110 to 107 win over the Pacers, then a 109 to 90 win over the Pistons. The Knicks are over 500, Gavin, and currently sitting as the undisputed fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. It feels surreal. Second best defense in basketball. They've won seven of their last nine games. Julius Randle is making that all-star selection look better and better. And the fact that it was a debate looked like a joke. He has been one of the best players in basketball over the last couple of weeks and has shown no signs of slowing down. And with Derrick Rose in the starting lineup, the rest of the team is starting to hit his level. We'll get into all that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm the editor in chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website on the internet, if I do say so myself. He is Gavin Shaw, play by play announcer by day in non pandemic times. Soon enough, it's coming, Gavin. It's coming. And a podcaster by day and night. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. And Gavin, as we said in the intro, so much to talk about after this weekend. You know, I think there was a part of me that was tempted to do something on Saturday night after that win over the Pacers. But I said, you know what? You know, I, I think we could wait till the till the morning, you know, for Monday morning and, you know, we'll be good. And then, you know, the Knicks came in and had just as great of a game, if not better. I don't know, two very different games, you know, Saturday and Sunday. But nonetheless, a back to back win, you know, that's hard to do in the NBA. The Knicks prior to this season hadn't done it in like four years. And now they've how many back to backs have they won both of this year? Like three, four. It seems like at least that many. Um, but it, an impressive feat, you know, regardless of the, the talent level of the competition and stuff, the Pacers are, you know, kind of in the same boat as the Knicks talent wise and the Pistons much worse than the Knicks. And both those games kind of went the way you might expect, uh, 110 to 107 win over the Pacers where, you know, the, the Knicks looked sloppy for large parts of the game. Uh, it seemed like it was going to get away from them more than once and that the Pacers were going to ultimately win it. And yet the Knicks persevered and, you know, they came back and won this game, you know, just behind some really gutty play in the second half, particularly from RJ Barrett, who, you know, honestly was without him, the Knicks would not have won this game period. Uh, he, you know, he scored slash assisted on, I think almost all of the Knicks last 10 points or so. Uh, to end this game, and Frank Nilakina, uh scored two of them as well after he got a game-deciding steal off a of Derrick Rose deflection, hit two free throws, put the Knicks up by four, and that was all she wrote for this game. Uh, and then, you know, on the second game of the back-to-back, 109-90 to victory over the Pistons tonight, and this one was, like, totally different. It, I was saying to you before we started recording, it reminded me a lot of the... Timberwolves game uh, from about a week ago where the Knicks, you know, they let the Timberwolves back into it. It got really uncomfortably close uh, to the point where, you know, they had to just kind of squeak out a 103 to 99 victory after leading by as many as I think 21 points in that game. In this one, it was just like they got ahead early and they just kind of switched it on to cruise control, particularly in the second half. You know, the third quarter, it was like they came out saying, okay, it's time to bury these guys. You know, let's put this away. Let's let's make this an easy one. And despite the fact that Tibbs kind of 
ran the guys ragged a little bit and kept them in there all the way to the closing whistle. Uh, it was, it was still, you know, a, an encouraging game where the, the starters really, and, and, you know, I guess I shouldn't just say the starters, but the, the key players on the Knicks really just kind of took it upon themselves in this game to put the Pistons away when it was time to put them away. They just kind of crushed their morale at every step and ultimately came out with a victory this game. Gavin, we kind of decided against, I just, you know, I gave the little bit of uh, running of what went on for those two games there, but we kind of decided against doing just strictly, you know, play-by-play type game recaps here and just kind of focusing on the big picture out of these two games. So where's like the first place that you want to start as far as these two games and this really fantastic weekend are concerned? Man, I, I wish I I wish I had a better answer for you, Alex, but I'm, I'm overwhelmed from this weekend of Knicks basketball. I mean, the fact that they are the, the four seed, and if the season ended today, they would be hosting the defending Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat at Madison Square Garden. Can you, can you imagine that? The Heat with Jimmy Butler, Bam, Tyler Hero, just walking into the garden, uh, maybe optimistically, let's say, at 50% capacity at that point. Emmanuel quickly getting ready to like bust his former teammate's ass in Tyler Hero. I mean, that would that would just be a joy. Like Julius Randle, I'm sure, relishing a matchup with Bam, R.J. Barrett, getting ready to go toe-to-toe with the guy he's most generously compared to in Jimmy Butler. I, I don't know if I would have a ton of confidence in the Knicks coming away with that series, but right now it's getting it, it's getting increasingly feasible that I mean we sort of we sort of passed the point of will the Knicks make the playoffs. And and granted, just to keep things in perspective, the Knicks are currently one and a half games out from being in 11th place in the Eastern Conference. So things can change very, very quickly. But the way they played this weekend, I'm, I'm kind of getting past the point of contemplating them being in the playoffs and getting to the point of contemplating what could they do in the playoffs. And, and the, the answer to that, and the best case scenario to that, is probably still a semi-competitive first-round loss, which, don't get me wrong, I'd be, I'd be ecstatic with that. But it, it just it gives you an idea of, of the different trajectory this team has entered on since Alfred Payton got hurt. And I don't I don't want to put that entirely on Payton. Again, he does some good stuff. It, it's possible that he will help this team immensely coming off the bench. But this is this is Derek Rose's team at this point. And maybe maybe that is ultimately the best place to start. This team has played with just a lot more juice on offense since he's become the starter. And they've gotten to that uh, bench unit with, with IQ, Frank, Burks, um, either Taj Gibson or Nerlens Noel, and then either Obi Toppin or, or it looks particularly good when Julius Randle gets some time with that group. But you, you can just see the, I mean, Clyde, I thought uh, we, we always, we always include his jokes on here, but we, we rarely include his genuine analysis. He, he, had a, he had a good bit of it tonight when he, when he just mentioned the domino effect that Rose creates when he beats his man, one-on-one that creates a defense scrambling. And then all of a sudden you, you get tic-tac-toe passes um, and, and the ball is beaming around the court, beating the help. It's unlocked RJ Barrett as a passer. It's made Julius Randle that much more deadly. And and I think over the last two games, he's hit another level. Like, I mean, particularly against the Pacers in, in transition, I, I was getting to a point watching where I'm like, God, this guy's just, he's a force of nature. When, when, he, when he got that steal and went coast to coast for the flush, then got the loose ball and just like, went right through TJ McConnell as if he wasn't there and, and, and rammed it down on the other end. I'm like, this is stuff that you see Giannis doing. This is stuff you see LeBron doing. This is stuff you see Zion doing. You're, you're talking about the most physically overwhelming players in the NBA. And he's starting to, he's not quite there yet, but he's starting to approach that category of dominance. And and similar to a LeBron, again, you can't say this against every team. There, there are teams with defenders good enough to really slow him down. But as LeBron is against the best teams in the league, Randall is right now against teams like the Pistons, where he has an answer to every question they throw his way. You you throw two guys at him. He's either going to hit a fadeaway um, before the, the second guy even gets there. He's going to throw a pass and find the wide open guy for an open for an open three. Um, or he's going to do what he did tonight and say, all right, you want to double me? All right, you guys, you guys follow me. We're going to play walk the dog and dribble into the corner, draw two defenders with him, not, not phased the whole time, not panicking the whole time as he would have a year ago, whip it over to Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose extra pass, Nerlens Noel, slam dunk. That that's the level of of thinking and manipulation uh, Julius Randle is getting to right now. And you combine that with with the physical gifts and and the place he is athletically at the moment, and just the sheer skill level, the touch, the ability to hit that fadeaway, to stop on a dime and fade away. You're, you're looking at a guy who is, I, I would say, 
superseding the all-star conversation or, or the better word would be transcending the all-star conversation and moving into all NBA conversation. And, and I think it, it's partially because he's just that good, partially because of the opponents and partially a uh, cascading effect uh, from Derrick Rose entering the starting lineup. We, we can, we can hit on all those, those points a little more, Alex, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Uh, but first let's, let's take a little break and tell people about headspace. Yeah, certainly. And wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. For me, I mean... You know, Gavin, we go through a lot of this with uh, with the pods and, you know, this rigorous Knicks schedule. I, I also have the the blog to manage. I have, you know, a lot of late nights that require me needing to get to sleep and get some sleep and then also requiring me to wake up in the morning and feel refreshed and be ready to tackle a new daytime pod that we're doing or, you know, whatever the case may be. Headspace comes in real handy there. You know, it's great to be able to have a meditation, get my mind straight again and then be ready to go on with my day and or get to sleep at night. You know, it helps with whatever I want. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. So don't take my word for it. Take 60 million people's word for it. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on MBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on MBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on MBA today. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. And receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. That's one word, all caps, Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Knicks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, we are back. I threw a lot at you before the break, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it up to you on, on where you want to start. Derek Rose igniting the starting lineup, I think making things good with the second unit by proxy, getting our, our baby boy Frank Nilakina involved in the action. He has, by and large, been spectacular defensively. Um, I, will, I won't talk about his offense for the time being. No, he's had, he's had good moments there as well. Uh, Julius Randle, I think, hitting another level the last couple of games. Is it a mirage spurred on by a poor opposition, though? He did just light up fellow all-star DeMontis Sabonis. Um, or or just uh, the cascading effect Rose has on the starting lineup in general. Any of those three. Anything else you want to talk about? I'm in a great mood, Alex. Give me what you got. Yeah, I kind of think uh, I kind of think there's something to be said for Rose influencing why Randall is playing like as such a next level good, you know, level these last few games, you know, he has. So Rose, I just looked just out of curiosity, assisted on two of Randall's buckets in this game. That was two out of Rose's five assists for the game. Uh, He also found Noel twice. Once, if I'm not mistaken, was I don't, I don't know if it was for an oop or if it was a, 
just a pass that led to a dunk. I, I don't entirely remember. Um, but it was, you know, it was just a, a nice, easy feed for Noel, which is not always a given, particularly because Noel needs it like on his hands to be able to finish anything on offense. Um, and, you know, then there was just like the effect that he's having on RJ even where I think RJ is being given more room to operate with Rose out there who's a credible three-point shooter. Um, you know, he's not a knockdown shooter by any stretch. He's not like, you know, Damian Lillard or something, but he hit two of three of his three-point attempts in the Pistons game. Um, you know, he hit, what was it in the, he hit one of three in the Pacers game. I mean, if he consistently takes three attempts and makes like one to two of them in any given game, that's enough to keep you a threat. It's better than Alfred Payton getting the ball in the corner three times a game and breaking it off the, you know, the the back part of the rim or or just off front rim from a corner three, like whatever. It's, you know, you need just that little bit of a threat of shooting to open things up. And Rose offers that more than Alfred Payton does by a mile while still offering you in theory, basically everything else that Alfred does. Like we've seen Rose lock up, you know, a put, I eh, maybe lock up is a stretch, but certainly played as admirable defense as Alfred Payton has at any point this season. Um, when he's at his most engaged, he's had some boneheaded plays too, but Alfred Payton has more than his fair share of boneheaded plays on defense as well. So I'd say they're pretty much equal there. He's just as good of a finisher, if not better, than Alfred Payton, you know, when it comes to getting to the hoop and finishing around the hoop. He has, I think, a more diverse, you know, offensive game other than just getting to the hoop in the sense that he can also hit you with that mid-range shot, which is one of his greatest weapons and always has been. And he can also hit a nice little teardrop floater, which he's shown to be really adept at as well. And then, of course, the three-point shooting. And probably the biggest thing is that, Derek Rose keeps his head up and wants to always run in transition. And I think that that's starting to have an effect, particularly on Julius Randle. Uh, Benji, you know, who was just on the show recently from Strickland, he, you know, tweeted out after the indie game that, you know, Randle is doing some stuff now that it was part of what Benji criticized in his post for Strickland, which was, more or less saying the Knicks need to run more. You know, they need to get out more in transition. Like part of the reason that they had one of the worst offenses in the league, despite having one of the best defenses in the league, is that they weren't running enough. And Julius Randle was a big part of that. He would kind of lollygag up the court um, when it was time to, you know, bring the ball up after a rebound or whatever. And Randle, you know, we've seen it. Like, again, you know, to shout out Benji, like he noted there was the one play in the indie game where Randle got the rebounds in the paint on the opposite side of the court, uh, had a mind to start running and, you know, get out in transition. He, you know, went across the whole court in no time flat and then just made a really nice move in between two defenders that were kind of not expecting it from him uh, to get all the way down there so quickly and went in for like a thunderous dunk and just got two easy points for the Knicks. And I think part of that, you know, part of what inspires Randall to do that is you get Rose pretty much running every time that there's a rebound. He's ready to run in transition. He's ready to get the pace going. So even if he's not the guy that's, you know, going to be the one to finish the play, you know, it can inspire Randall to get out and running if he sees, oh, we have numbers. It's three on two. You know, if I take advantage and turn on the Jets here, I can get into the hoop, you know, unimpeded because you know, my two teammates are drawing enough attention away from the hoop that I can just get in there and do what I need to do. So yeah, it's, that's all just part of the Rose effect. Whereas, you know, strangely for how much Alfred gets a rep as being like this kind of like speedy ish point guard, and certainly one that thrives on getting to the hoop. He doesn't really run it that often. You know, he's, he's often looking to, okay, the rebound comes down, you know, okay. I know that I have Julius Randall, who's, maybe at this point, I'd almost feel again, depending on where you uh, categorize LeBron, I would almost feel comfortable saying that Randall is the most adept ball handling for in the NBA right now. Um, But Alfred still looks at that situation and says, Oh, 
I have Julius Randle, the best handling, best ball handling four man in the NBA, but let me stand here and wait for him to hand me the ball because I need to be the one to take it down the court. Because otherwise, I mean, I don't even totally blame him. If Alfred Payton isn't the guy bringing the ball down the court, then where's he going to go? He can't go to the corner because he can't shoot. You know, so it's not like he could just streak down the floor, find a spot on the three point line because he's going to provide no credible threat and his defender isn't going to do anything other than just cheat on to Julius Randle. So, yeah, I, I've gone a little long winded, but the the ripple effects are great as far as, you know, what Rose is bringing to the starting lineup versus what Peyton was bringing. And Gavin, I don't know where you stand on this particular little semi conspiracy theory, but I kind of think that Peyton's injury maybe isn't as severe as they're saying, because apparently he's been, you know, on the court working out, you know, before each game. And if you if you listened to how it was reported, you know, the initial day that he first got injured uh, before the Kings game, they were saying like, oh, he went on the court. He tried to give it a go, but he just couldn't do it. But he was like game time decision. Now, these last two games, he's been ruled out like well in advance of the game being like, oh, yeah, he's hurt. He's hurt. The, the hammy. Yeah, really acting up. It's not good right now. You know, we're going to keep rolling with this Rose and and quickly and Frank thing that we got going on. Um, so I don't know where you stand on that. I kind of think maybe they're they're holding him out to a degree because they are liking what they're seeing right now and, you know, want to keep giving it a look because of what Rose is doing for the offense. Yeah, Alex, I, I thought that initially um, and I'm still I still think it's a possibility, but Breen saying tonight that he thought Elf was or they thought Elf might play tonight. Like maybe they're really going all in on the bit. But it, to me, at least that that portended a little bit that he's he's likely to come back fairly soon. And the other thing is, I, I'm still not totally confident that if if he were like if they were going to make this move and he was healthy, that he wouldn't be playing over Frank Milikina at, at this point. And I'm not saying that's warranted, but you could definitely see the the second unit, um, and I noted this after the Kings game. Like when it when it's when it's going to look good with with Frank and IQ, it's going to look really really good. It's like on the nights that IQ is completely dicing up a defense and, and bombing step back threes and getting to the line um, double digit times, that's going to be you're, you're going to you're going to see that second unit look like world beaters and look like one of the bench best bench groups in the NBA, but on nights where IQ is a little off and if Frank, um, like we saw against the Pistons tonight, isn't shooting all that well, all of a sudden, like things are going to muck up a little bit and you don't have um, that one guy you can, you can throw the ball to and, and just say, go get a bucket or, or go create something. I mean, Alec Burks has been playing really, really well over the last couple of games, but even, even as a bench guy and he, even on nights where he's hot, he's not quite ready to be that load bearer, he's better in a lineup where there there are multiple threats, and he can he can play off those guys. Um, so that's that's kind of the case for Elf at the very least, being in the rotation, even if he's not starting. But yeah, I don't know. I, I obviously I hope that's the that's the best, or I, I hope that is the situation because I, I want to see this group get a longer sample size, and I want to see Frank get a little bit of a longer leash to to get into rhythm offensively, just because he has had good moments in the three point shot. Looks much improved. He had the play where he took Bagley off the dribble and got to the rim. Um, I, I like how he's been getting to his pull-up in in either the half court or in transition. Obviously, I'd like to see it go in a little bit more. And to your point, he's making some incredible plays defensively and, and essentially, like along with Rose, who got the tip, helped seal the Pacers game by recovering the ball and then draining two free throws to all but put that one away. But I, I'm interested to see, um, I mean, if you're looking towards the future and whether or not they're going to need Peyton just to provide some offense in that second group. Uh, I'm interested to see how they start doing against better competition because I, I think the caveat to everything we're saying is the Knicks have not been playing great teams of late. Like we noted, we noted the Timberwolves. We noted they they killed the Kings who had lost like nine games in a row. The Pacers were playing without three starters, all of whom are, are borderline 20-point scorers. So that's, that's a ton of firepower. And even with that, they were killing the Knicks initially and the Knicks had to fight like tooth and nail to win that game. And, it, and don't get me wrong, it, it was a quality win. But I, I think the caveat you have to say with all this is the schedule um, and that the teams they've been playing potentially haven't been as good as they look on paper or, or just flat out not good. Obviously, the Timberwolves, uh, worst record in the league. Then the Kings, who had lost nine games in a row. Then Indiana, who was missing 
three starters, all of whom are borderline twenty point per game guys. That's that's a lot of that's a lot of offensive firepower. And then the Pistons who who obviously are atrocious. So I, I have some questions of like how the second unit is gonna hold up on offense and if I were the Knicks to make it more sustainable. And I think it's worth trying to make it more sustainable versus just having the easy solution of plugging Elf in there. Because one, you, you want to see what you have in Frank, even if the Knicks don't see Frank as part of their future, you want to market him for a potential trade. Um, and also I, I think what he brings defensively is, is pretty essential and more, more important to the Knicks than anything Elf does offensively. Um, so what I would start doing is pulling Julius Randle a little bit earlier, maybe like seven, eight minutes into games, uh, getting him a few minutes of rest, putting Obi Toppin in for like a five-minute stretch with the starters, um, and especially with how well Obi's been playing defensively and moving his feet, um, there's a chance he gets exposed in, in that kind of matchup, but Tibbs seems to have a little bit of trust in him. Like there, were, there was a decent stretch in the game when he was in against the Pacers where he was the guy guarding Sabonis and for the most part holding up uh, more or less. Um, so I would, I'd put him in with the starters and then I'd bring Randall back in with the bench guys. And I think we, we've, we've seen bits and pieces of it, but I, I would like to see a long stretch run of IQ, Frank, Burks, Randall, and Noel together. I think that's a really good offensive and defensive split. They had one like killer, killer defensive possession in this game where everyone was on a string, like switching and covering for each other. I think defensively that lineup could be dynamite. I think if Frank keeps hitting threes offensively, it gives Randall just more more room to operate than he even has with the starters. And, and the idea of this version of Julius Randall working against other teams' bench units, like it, it's a wrap. It's over. He's gonna absolutely dominate those groups. Um, so I would I would be fascinated to see that going forward. If you're looking for an adjustment where they can maintain this bench unit, particularly to start to play better and better teams. Uh, Alex, we're, we're we're deep into this podcast. We're we're deep into the night. I'm getting a little tired. Uh, is there is there anything you'd recommend as far as uh, fuel, you know, like at the end of the long day or maybe before a workout or something? Wow, what a totally natural and amazing segue that is to tell everybody about Built Bar. <laughs> Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. When you're listening to this, you're either a really dedicated Knicks fan night owl or it's tomorrow morning and, uh, you know, you probably need a little boost on your way to work or whatever, something yummy to start your day. Well, Built Bar is the product for you. They have so many amazing flavors with their amazing product. Uh, you have apple almond crisp, peanut butter, coconut, orange, raspberry. One of my favorites, cookies and cream. So good. One of the best flavors that they've ever come out with. And luckily, it's had some staying power sticking with the lineup. Uh, Built Bars, you just really can't do any better as far as a protein bar that looks like a candy bar, tastes like a candy bar. It's covered in 100% natural chocolate. It's soft and easy to chew. But the best part is you do not get the candy bar guilt that normally comes with eating you know, a Snickers bar or something like that. That's because Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber for example, like I just said, one of my favorites, cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein in that bad boy compared to only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So if you're interested in picking up some Built Bars for yourself today, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. If, if you've been listening for a while, that code is slightly different now, so pay attention. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? We can keep rooting for that Mavs pick to get that high as Knicks fans. And if you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. It is March already somehow. March Madness is literally like two weeks away. It's insane. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. And I should also uh, I should plug an episode we have coming later this week, not to steal Locked On NBA Draft's thunder, but uh, we're going to have PD Webb on later this week to talk about a fantastic article that he wrote on Emmanuel quickly 
and his uh, start to the season and, you know, potential future outlook and stuff. And on top of that, we do get his thoughts on some of the 2021 prospects, including we asked him, well, who's one guy that you would want to put on the Knicks realistically with about where their draft picks figure to, you know, land by the end of everything. And we get some pretty good answers about that. So keep an eye out for that later in the week. We're saving that for sort of like a pre all-star game kind of content. Uh, but Gavin, to get back into the matter at hand here, um, if we want to keep talking about stuff, I want to kind of switch gears and talk about Nerlens Noel, who's like Iron Man extraordinaire right now and is like, I mean, probably playing. I can't imagine he's ever had a better two game stretch in his life or just general stretch of play. I would say since Mitch got hurt, there's maybe only been one, maybe two games where I thought that he was not as good of an option as say like Taj Gibson for a little bit. Um, I think in part of the Sacramento game, I want to say Taj was the one that sort of pushed the action of getting the Knicks really going in the third quarter. And and that was one point where I said, Hey, you know, maybe he's offering a little more than Noel right now, but it was negligible. All in all, he's just playing fantastic ball. And because of an injury to Taj Gibson in the Pacers game, he's been forced to play a ton of minutes, a huge role these last couple of games, 41 minutes in the Pacers game, which uh, included four minutes of, of uh, Taj. So, you know, there was really most of that game. It was up to Noel to provide all the rim protection. He had 8.7 rebounds, uh, one steal, two blocks in that game. Then in the game against the Pistons, I would say that he was, I mean, he controlled that whole game. Like the Knicks only gave up 90 points to the Pistons. And I think maybe you could give, I, I would almost say you could give equal credit to Noel and Randall for different reasons as to why that was. In the case of Noel, eight points, 11 rebounds. Three steals, three blocks. That's six stocks, again, for you guys keeping track at home. I feel like this is probably at least the fourth or fifth time that he's put up six stocks in a game this season. Uh, really fantastic stuff, but they didn't feel like fluky at all. Um, one in particular that really stands out to me, Sadiq Bey, uh, got the ball at one point off an offensive rebound, and the Knicks were, you know, in theory, a little bit disheveled, you know, after the offensive board because it didn't seem like the Pistons were going to get it. And then it just kind of went to them. So I, I forget who exactly it already kind of leaked out and transitioned sort of. But Noel got reset on defense and whoever his his front court mate was at the time. And they kind of like took one each side of the paint, you know, right under the hoop. And uh, Bay got the ball at the top of the three-point line and kind of looked right down the line and was like, you could see the gears spinning in his head of like, can I do this? I think I could pull this off. And Noel kind of, did a really good job of faking like, oh no, I'm going to hold on to my man over here. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into the paint. Go ahead, buddy. Come on in. It's, you know, free dunk here if you want it. And then Bay like gets into his charge towards the hoop and suddenly Noel just like shades over and just ate him right up. I mean, Bay went up for, I guess, a layup. I, I didn't look like a dunk attempt and, you know, Noel just blocked the ever living hell out of him. And it was a fantastic, uh, play there but that was probably just my favorite I will just before I throw it to you Gavin to talk about Noel a little more I, I wanted to clarify my uh, Randall part of this equation which is between both these last two games it, I think that Randall just needs to play like other all-stars and or you know quote-unquote all-star snubs like every single game because clearly he came out these last two games and was like I'm going to embarrass Sabonis and Grant uh, because in the game against the Pacers, against Sabonis, uh, Sabonis ends up with 15 points, 5 of 10 shooting, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. On the surface, not too shabby. But in instances where Randall was ding him up personally, Sabonis was very uncomfortable. Uh, and it led to a pretty key turnover at one moment. So Julius had a big deal to do with that. Even more so in this Pistons game. He uh, was guarding Jerry and Grant quite a bit. Grant, again, you know, counting stats-wise, maybe looks okay. 21 points, 8 rebounds. But he shot 7-19 from the field, 2-9 from 3. 
and uh, only had six free throw attempts. And like Grant's been having a really good year and actually been pretty efficient. So to hold him to seven and 19 shooting, very impressive night for Julius Randle on top of his usual excellence himself. Uh, you know, he had in the Pacers game thoroughly outplayed Sabonis with 28 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, four steals, 12 of 22 shooting, two of five from three. And then in this one, thoroughly outplays uh, Grant with 25 points, eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block, 10 of 18 shooting, and three of six from three. So just a, a phenomenal couple of games from Julius Randle and from Nerlens Noel, which, Gavin, I think I'm more curious to hear your thoughts on Nerlens first and these really great two games he's strung together. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Pistons game was, I, I think, the best he's played defensively all year. I, I was shocked when... When Clyde throughout the broadcast kept saying he's three blocks, he's three blocks, and I was like, doesn't he have like nine or or twelve or something? It, it felt like he was he's impacting every shot. He he was such a deterrent around the rim, and and then on offense, he he was. I mean, I, I'm it's fascinating how they're using him. Like they're they're letting him dribble a little bit, letting him like run like either real dribble handoffs or fake dribble handoffs. He he had another nice backdoor find to Obi Toppin um, for a reverse slam. And he's just, he's becoming um, more like versatile uh, offensively. And to me, the, the question is, does that carry over a little bit when Mitchell Robinson is out there? Because you can, you can do that stuff with Taj, you can do that stuff with Nerlens, but with Mitch, that was, that was the sort of stuff you and I going into the season were really looking for and hoping for from him and just thinking like, God, I'd love to see him like fake a dribble handoff and, and reverse pivot and take like one quick dribble and get to the rim and, and dunk on some poor sucker. And it just, it, they, they haven't used him that way. He, he like essentially only scores on alley-oops or offensive rebounds. Anything else is, is fluky or, or few and far uh, between. So to me, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated when he comes back, one, because they've, they've been so good without him so far, six and two. And again, I think that's more of a product of schedule, but at, at least up to this point, they've, they've maintained their defensive efficiency and actually moved up from, from number three in the NBA to number two in the NBA in that category. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting, um, especially once we have a larger sample size to gauge how much, how much of the defense was Mitch, um, how much of it was Tibbs in the system and the guys in front of him who are like RJ Barrett and Julius Randle who are much improved. Or, or how much do you attribute it to just saying, you know, Mitch has been incredible this year, but Nerland's Noel is just a notch below that. And and I think as they start to see better and better true bigs and like five men, um, though Miles Turner has been really good this year and the Knicks did an excellent job against him for the most part. Um, but as they start to see more and more like dominant big guys and like get him beat a couple of times, that's when you're going to start really, really wanting Mitchell Robinson back. All right, I'm going to get into uh, Emmanuel quickly a little bit, who did not have a great start to or here. You know, I'll start. I'll start with his uh, with his Pacers game. I liked um, I liked one of the sets they ran. That again, this was with that Randall Frank IQ group that I, I keep talking about. Um, that or or I keep wanting them to get to more and more. So they ran a, a Randall dribble handoff to Frank. And at the meantime, IQ comes up and he screens Sabonis. So then Frank comes off the dribble handoff and he draws the attention of the defense. And Sabonis just kind of like keeps his eye on him while quickly just kind of backpedals to the opposite corner. He's wide open. Um, Frank hits him for three. And again, it, it just, it's interesting. I, I know I'm getting sidetracked now, but it, it's interesting the way they're manipulating like Randall's newfound gravity. And like, obviously it helps Randall in one-on-one situations where guys have to close out on him. But you're seeing these like um, like little like dribble handoff plays where he'll give it to someone like Reggie Bullock and, and Bullock will get a step like in, in this case, it was McDermott. He'll get a step on his man and, and, and you can see the like consternation on Sabonis's face. And he's like, I, I want to go in there and block his layup. But if I do that, he's going to throw it back out to Julius Randle, who all of a sudden is like approaching like a 45 percent three point shooter. Um, and, and all of a sudden, like Reggie Bullock, it's like, I mean, it's not quite prime Dirk Nowitzki, but it's just a notch below that. He's getting a wide open layup because Julius Randle is stationed on the perimeter. Anyways, back to IQ. Had another four-point play in this one. Continued his uh, his, his long-standing rivalry with TJ McConnell, who, if you remember, was particularly upset when when IQ got him with, uh, with a BS offensive foul in the preseason. He did the same thing in, in this one. Um, had, had kind of a tough second half, and then it carried over a little bit into the first half of the Pistons game where he really struggled. 
uh, was 0 for 5 to start off. It was forcing shots a little bit. And I think it's it's a product, again, of the lack of juice the Knicks have in that second unit. And right now there's just, like, when IQ's driving, he, he's not drawing help because he's not, like, cleanly beating his man. And I think the All-Star break's going to do him a lot of good. I, I think going to the basket, he's maybe lost, like, a little bit of speed as the season has gone on. And it's it's all the easier to stick with him or, or to, like, kind of, like, hedge on him when the guys around him aren't big threats. And I, I think you're seeing that right now. Um, and, and he got away from that a little bit when Derrick Rose was in there. Uh, but then he, he kind of picked it up in the second half, had, had a little like pump fake and got all the way to the rim, which, which you want to see more of. Um, then he had back to back, like really nasty sidestep threes, like literally one play after another. The second one, like I, I got hyped. I was ready to like flip my table over, go party somewhere. Um, that was amazing. Uh, he, he still has that, that, uh, star upside every, every once in a while where he just like flashes those wow moments, even in bad games. And I will also give him a quick salute because, uh, some quick research from Mike Breen, um, courtesy of Elias, uh, they reported during the game that in the last 20 years, Emmanuel quickly has gotten off to the best start of any rookie, um, on their first hundred free throws, making 94. No one's ever done that before. So shout out to Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Alex, you want to you wanna wrap this up with some OB talk, some more thoughts on IQ, maybe maybe some more stuff on Frank, because I, I kind of dipped a toe in. Uh, Alec Burks has been really good. There's a lot of places we can go, but it's like one in the morning. We don't want to make this an hour and a half. So I'm going to let you choose where to finish off. Yeah, I well, I'll give you props first for uh, saying the word quick twice while in a <laughs> sentence about Emmanuel quickly and not going <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so tired. I think that part of my brain is like broken. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I certainly would. Every time I'm talking about quickly, I just can't help but go like, eh. I said quick. Uh, <laughs> it's like a Beavis and Butthead. Like, <laughs> you said quick. <laughs> you said it. Do you? <laughs> I know there's only like five years of this. You, you know Beavis and Butthead, right? I, did you I ever do. watch that? I, I don't think I... I, I do remember I watched it I've watched it on airplanes before and my dad was very into it and like made me watch it every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. They're they're doing a revival, I hear. I think Comedy Central picked it up. They're doing like a revival this year or something. So Same you know. Stuff. A new new opportunity to get into Beavis and Butthead. Um anyway, I guess I'll I guess I'll talk about the yeah, like the Knicks version of Beavis and Butthead. Emmanuel Quickly and Frank Nilakina. Uh, but like the way smarter, better at basketball version. Um Maybe that could be the new nickname for them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. I'm sure they'd love that. Yeah, I'll start doing. The, I don't know. We'll make them into uh, Beavis and Butthead as cartoon characters. I think uh, who's it? Cookies Hoops or whatever. They really liked the Sixers, and they did that for two of the Sixers players at one point. So maybe that's kind of stealing their uh, their swag a little bit there. But anyway, um, yeah, I I've been really digging Frank. Like I I will say these past two games have been sort of the the sort of games that I guess give the anti Frank crowd like their ammunition because they go like the Detroit game. It's like, Oh, you know, good. Everybody else was doing, but Frank was Oh, four Oh, two from three, you know, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, you know, just one steal, whatever. Like, what is he good for? He's not doing anything like blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just, I don't think that's, proper you know i just don't think that that's the way to look at it with him even in the game you know against the pacers he only had you know counting stats wise five points two assists one steal and you know that was in 11 minutes of gameplay and yet he was the guy that ultimately won the game for the knicks with that final steal after you know i i love rj but like he he had missed his two free throws that could have put the knicks up by four and it was a really dangerous situation where, you know, the Knicks were only up by two. It felt like the the Pacers were just, like, on track to walk down and, you know, have, like, Justin Holiday or Doug McDermott or somebody hit a three-pointer uh, to put the Knicks away because it, it would have to be a former Nick, you know. And, uh, you know, Frank was the guy that, that made that final play, had the heads-up ability. Again, props to Derrick Rose for getting the initial deflection, but then it bounced off TJ McConnell and... It was, uh, I think Frank was on holiday and someone screenshotted this uh, and like showed it to me on the Strickland account where Frank was a full, you know, 
human length, you know, like a chest length behind Justin Holiday. And because of that huge wingspan that we've talked about ever since Frank got drafted, he was able to reach out and make that steal without, you know, fouling or getting a reach in or anything else, just sheerly by the fact that his his arm with, you know, a a shoulder, chest, whatever length minus from Justin Holiday was still like an inch or two longer to give him the nose for that ball. Um, so those are just the type of plays that he makes. And I love that he's back in the lineup. You know, the Wally Zerbiaks of the world will look at it and say, yeah, well, for Peyton, if he makes five shots, look how good the Knicks are. Well, anybody else could look at it and say, well, hey, look at this. When Frank Nilakina plays, uh, I think the stat is if he plays more than 15 minutes, the Knicks are like 3-0 and this year or something. But if he just plays period, they're like, uh, like five and two or something like they have a really good record this year, just when Frank plays, uh, which maybe not coincidentally has coincided a lot with, I think no, it, it hasn't coincided with Alfred not playing, but you know, it's, it's coincided with the Knicks being shorthanded and just being like forced to play him, but then him ultimately stepping in and providing some good plays and, you know, hitting some threes from time to time. Again, of course he didn't hit any, in this Detroit game, but they didn't need him to because everybody else was hitting shots and he was just needed to play good defense and keep the ball moving and stuff like that. And that's exactly what he did. Um, I don't really have too much to add to your quickly bit there. Cause I thought I thought you did a pretty good job and, you know, I can save some of it for later because we've only got, you know, another half of the season to talk about quickly. Um, but I will say that top in, I thought did a pretty good job manning the middle as the, I guess I guess you would say he was more the power forward um, in tonight's game when he and Randall played together. I thought it went pretty well. I would have maybe just liked to see them looking to sprint down the floor a little more. You know, it, again to bring up transition. Like if those two are on the floor together, I I think that the great thing about them is that if either of your two bigs are getting the rebound in that lineup, they have the ball handling ability to bring it down the floor themselves and start a fast break. And they're both great passers. Uh, so I think that's something that the Knicks should look to take advantage of and something that they should keep in their back pocket for like a playoff situation where, you know, maybe they do hold on and they can be a four or five seed in the playoffs. Who knows? You know, as we said, there's a lot still to be decided and very thin margins between the, you know, all the way from like the, you can even say the three seed all the way down to out of the playoffs at like the 11 seed right now. Um, so there's a lot still to be decided, but if the Knicks end up in a playoff matchup and they're trying to maybe win, it's good to have stuff like that in your back pocket where you say, you know what, we have a sort of quirky scheme where even though hopefully they're healthy at that point and they have, you know, Mitch and Noel and they can have that 48 minutes of rim protection out there if they want it, to be able to throw something at another team and say, oh, well, let's let's put Obi and Randall out there again. And, you know, they just need to get enough stops that we can you know, get them getting defensive rebounds and just starting everybody on a fast break, get all five of you guys just sprinting down the floor the second that someone gets the ball in their hands. That could be pretty dangerous, you know, in the playoffs or or elsewhere if the Knicks need something for a little change of pace. So just something to keep in mind with Obi getting more minutes here. Uh, but Gavin, it sounds like you're ready to go to sleep. So uh, I'm, I should probably be feeling that way too. It's like one o'clock in the morning. So I think, Unless you had anything to add, I I will bring us home on this one. No, I would I would say that, that that's a good instinct on, on your part, and I'm 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 happy to wrap up though. I, I I don't want my tiredness to to make people think I'm not I'm not ecstatic about this next run because they they played they played really really well, especially in the second. I mean, in the first half, the defense was insane against the Pistons. Then the second, uh, the heart they showed against um, Indiana, the fact that that Frank is involved, uh, warms uh, 70% of our hearts and, and tortures 30% of us. But it's it's good to have a little dissent in times of success. I think things are going really, really well with the Knicks. They're the four seed in the entire Eastern Conference. In a year with the Eastern Conference, I know I know it's a very weird season, but there, there are a lot of talented teams. Uh, people people should just treasure treasure the moment with the Knicks right now. And that, that'll, that'll be my final note on the night. My final note will be to quote Amari Stoudemire, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks are back. They are back. The Knicks are back, and 
They're over 500, almost halfway through the season. I am very excited. 18 and 17 may as well be, I don't know, what's uh, what would be way more than that, like 30 and 5 for sure. all I care. Sure. Uh, this is This is fantastic. I'm having a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch a couple more games and then watch Julius Randle in the All-Star game, which would be a very proud moment. Watch Obi Toppin probably win the dunk contest because it sounds like the rest of the field are not in his league as far as dunking. Cassius Stanley. Uh, Cassius Stanley's really good. I mean, he's really athletic, but is he a good dunker? He's he's a really good dunker. I thought he was more of a power player, to be honest, like more of like a power dunker. Like he's going to like jump from way far away but i don't think he's going to do anything too crazy but well, i guess we'll see, see. I, I look i've i fit obi obi's a freak too it's it's going to be a lot of fun obi pulled out like a through the legs dunk in a in a dayton game i saw he? that i saw that today that was yeah wild. so i mean he's got some shit it's crazy how effort like the not to get sidetracked from from wrapping up but the the reverse he had off like just how easily like i know um on defense people talk about how he's kind of a slow loader and that like prevents him from being a great rim protector but on offense like when he's already moving and has some momentum like it's insane like how effortless it is for him to just like jump up like some guys are fighting gravity and then other guys it's like yeah it's not it's great the whole gravity thing not really a big deal and that's obi anyways final note for me all right with that we are wrapped up the knicks are back this has been locked on knicks we'll be back <laughs> we'll be back with a couple episodes uh this week with two more Knicks games on tap and then like we said we're going to have an episode with PD Webb coming up in your feed at some point this week plus we're going to at some point get through the uh February mailbag questions despite the fact that we're in March as usual you know in in the course of this very condensed season it's a little hard to get those episodes out in between all the other episodes we have to put out so uh we'll be back with getting into those as well plenty other good content for you guys until next time though this has been locked on next peace out we will talk to you all next week